following Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 18, Aircraft Accidents, Recurrent Flight Training, and Pilot Proficiency, coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Welcome back to this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is episode number 18. I'm your host, Len Costa, joined today with Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, and Victoria Newville. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hey. Fire it up, fire it up. Yeah. Woo! There it is. <laughs> uh, we're cruising oh. on these episodes. We're making a lot of these, these things. It's pretty fun. It is. Keeping me busy. Yes. Yes, you have most of all. Yeah, gosh. I know, you have so many things going on in your life. You are not happy unless I'm busy. That's good. I know exactly how that feels. Let's do the pre-flight. Hey, folks, we interrupt the the episode to bring you an announcement that actually occurred after recording uh, the show. And so we wanted to actually insert this into the beginning of the show so that you could be aware of what's going on. But in a previous episode... Well, Victoria shared with us her Women Fly It Forward event, which is taking place on March 10th at Frederick, Maryland, at the uh, Frederick Municipal Airport. And uh, like I said, just a couple of days after recording episode number 18, she found out a major announcement about a very special guest, a TV celebrity even, who's going to be joining them at that event on March 10th. Uh, Victoria, tell us, who is your special guest and what are they doing? Well, our special guest uh, lives in Bethel, Alaska, and she started as a secretary at a local um, air charter place and moved her way up to being a Cessna 208 pilot. And our special guest is Sarah Fraher from Flying Wild Alaska on the Discovery Channel. And she's going to be there for the whole entire day to talk to girls, tell them about what she does. And uh, she is really, really excited about being involved in this event. Well, that's awesome. And for folks out there who maybe haven't had an opportunity yet to check into Um, The event, the Women Fly It Forward event is a day, um, like I said, it's March 10th, where women who've never been in a small airplane, women of all ages, have the opportunity to register and sign up for a free airplane ride. But uh, Victoria, where can people get more information and register for this event? People can get info at www.womenflyitforward.com. And while this is a day for the ladies, there's something for everyone, so bring your whole family out to the airport. Awesome. Well, we appreciate uh, jumping on the line here to record this uh, quick announcement. And folks, we're going to jump back into our regularly scheduled show. Now entering cruise flight. Well, wonderful. Glad to have everybody here today. Uh, we are going to spend um, not quite an entire show on a, on a topic today, but there is an, a, an event that just occurred that Rick was um, that happened in Rick's local area, and it sort of spurred a discussion offline earlier in the day that we thought was going to generate a good episode. So we're going to spend some time discussing that and possibly move on to some other topics if time permits. But uh, Rick, tell us a little bit about the event that uh, spurred this discussion today. Yeah. um, Just uh, for for specifics here, we're recording this on Monday night, the 16th. Am I right? Yes. And um, of January 2012. And over the weekend, it's very interesting in this era, uh, over the weekend through my Twitter stream, I started to become aware uh, mostly through local Twitter channels, but a few regional ones of a um, small plane that had gone down uh, near Cape Cod. And it, it was just interesting how the, I learned most of the things I learned from from a mobile device and Twitter about it as usual. And, um, and, and so this is generally what I know. And I will say that all kind of all I know is what I've read since. It's very fresh. And in all of these things there, uh, there's so much more to be learned over time. I'm not even sure yet today whether, well, I can get into this, whether they've even found the plane, but they they did find, uh, unfortunately, the two people that were in the plane uh, perished in, in, the, in the accident. But um, so there's still a lot to be, a lot to be determined. But basically it was a flight uh, that was um, 
scheduled to be from Martha's Vineyard to Hyannis. But from what I can tell, it wasn't just um, a direct flight. They were they were doing a training flight and we're going to end up at Hyannis. Um, I think this was a CFI and a uh, private pilot who I think was beginning or had been training for some further um, ratings. And uh, my, and basically, based on where they went down, ultimately, it, it, I realized it wasn't a direct flight because the one, there was some reference in, in the media to the fact that they had uh, been doing some, um, uh, I guess, holding patterns uh, on the way into Hyannis. They were working on that. Um, anyway, at some point, um, they let um, the controllers know that uh, and that there's some live ATC audio of this as well, that there was smoke in the cabin. Um, and then I read somewhere that they got back on and said they had, to some degree, cleared that smoke. Um, but but soon thereafter, they lost radar contact. And, um, so there, and there wasn't really a lot of dialogue back and forth, so there's not a lot known from that. Um, and then ultimately, the the bodies were found near, near, you know, on the North shore of Cape Cod near, um, you know, either on the shore or just offshore and the plane probably sank in. I'm not sure they found that yet. So, um, and what it just got me thinking about, of course, right away was emergency procedures and, you know, what, what would I do? Am I, am I ready for that kind of thing? Um, and, you know, and, and the thought I had, I expressed this to you a little earlier is, um, you know, it, when you're, when you're getting your your rating, you work on this stuff a lot, and you have it memorized, and you really you really go after it. But it isn't something that through routine flying you use. Um, you know, there's stuff that you don't even have to think about anymore, really, in terms of um, in in terms of some of the procedures you go through to to get a plane from the you know pre flight to, to off the ground, for instance. A lot of that stuff becomes second nature. It's it's something you do, and you do it every time, and you, you know you know why you're doing it and all that. The emergency procedure stuff is not actively used unless you have an emergency or, um, or you actually work to practice it. And it's hard to make yourself on a say a cross country. Go okay, now I'm going to say what what I would do right now if there was a fire. I mean, it's probably a good thing to do. And I would say I'm not, you know, I'm not one that's a good example on this. But I'm aware, sort of every time I haven't flown in a while, I'm about to go up. Oh, do I know all those things? Can I, can I quickly do the memory the memory ones that are important to be able to remember? To, to, you know, to, to kill which circuits to, you know, an electrical fire or whatever it is. And, um, you know, so I'm remiss, I think, in, in studying up enough on that. Um, and so I guess I, I thought it was an interesting topic because it matters. When it matters, it matters a lot, but it's not something that everybody works on all the time. It, we probably get sloppy on it. Um, you know, we work on our landings, we work on our takeoffs or other things, but we don't necessarily work on that maybe. And uh, you guys, as as teachers of this stuff i'd be interested in your thoughts on 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 that topic area and then you know how it relates to training in general so um you know i like i said my you know my i'm probably pretty typical in that i've used it when i've had to use it for for ratings and otherwise i haven't been in a situation where i needed um an emergency procedure to be remembered and so i'm not sure right now i could tell you what they are i know where they are in the book but that's not going to help me in a in a quick reacting situation so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts about about that, but I, I definitely, you know, felt for the for those two guys who were in that situation, and 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 who knows what happened beyond the smoke. Um, uh, but you know, obviously, fly the plane is what matters if you can, and then you know, the the rest you have to take care of. But anyway, I don't know if you have any thoughts about. Well, I'd like to uh, ask you something actually, because yeah. you know you've you heard about the event, and right. you know, this this conversation is spurred out of it. Something that you were thinking about. And realizing to yourself, you know, am I personally prepared? Um, it, it's it's just happened a few days ago. It's something that's fresh in your mind. I mean, what have you already in your own thought process said to myself? Hey, Rick, maybe I, uh, you know, I'm going to start doing this differently. What what have you already come up with for yourself? Well, I think I know out of this. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a it's a big reminder that all of those times I said, oh, you know, tomorrow I'm flying. I I really should go over those again, and and then I just don't. Things get busy. That I think. Even before, like, I, I don't have a flight plan necessarily in the next week or whatever, but I should spend this time going back at that as if I had a check ride, you know, for those emergency procedures, because it, it's clear where they are. In fact, well, the Cessna book I have, they highlight the ones that they would like you to have in your head, you know, without without thinking a second about it. Um, and those are easy enough to go back in and remember. And I certainly memorized them back when, but I couldn't tell them to you now. So I think that maybe that's something that I've already decided to do, which is 
get those things back in my head as a matter of course and maybe work on ways to keep recycling them, you know, in my head like a gumps check where I just know it, you know, based on something. And maybe maybe coming up with a with an abbreviation like that would would help me as well. So I think that's that's probably step one. I also think, you know, I'm in a position now where I haven't flown in a, in a while long enough now that I actually feel uh, certainly that when I, the, in fact, I had one booked and the weather just wasn't great, but the next flight I take will be with a CFI um, because I want to, you know, be, be comfortable, be safe and learn some things again. Um, and that'll probably help as well. You know, we did my, my um, uh, flight review, we did, we did an engine out and um, didn't really concentrate on, you know, me proving that I had stuff memorized, but in terms of how to, how to land, you know, how to, how to stay close to an airport and get yourself in the right position with no additional power. Um, and that went very well. So there's some stuff that you sort of know because you know how to fly, but there's other things that, you know, okay, this is happening with this, this, uh, instrument or there is smoke or whatever. Now, what do you do? It's that stuff that, um, I think is that I feel like I, I have not paid enough attention to. So I need well, to. And you also fly. I mean, that's important too because a, a person in your position, and and like Carl as well, who flies multiple aircraft, you've right. got you know you've got different checklists for different aircraft, different memory items for different aircraft. If you're flying two or three or four different airplanes, right. there's a whole you know there's all kinds of stuff to memorize. So, right, um, and that one, poses an know, interesting question. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's yeah, it's all different. And I you know, and if I started flying, like I don't you know, so far. Well, the planes I fly are a certain kind of plane, <clears throat> and there are plenty of other things that I know I don't even practice ever because of the kind of planes I fly, uh, that if you added one of those into the mix, you know, there'd be a whole other list. So you're right. It's complicated. Yeah, and, You know, just to, to jump in on that too, with it, as far as practicing, you can practice, like you said, in your mind. But I tell you, one of the things that I do now is I pull out my checklists in flight. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so you're just droning along and... I, you know, my worst experience is I had an emergency where the whole panel lit up. I had like six red messages and I really wasn't prepared for it because I was getting complacent. And I've turned into a real paranoid pilot now. I actually uh, pull out my checklist, my emergency checklist almost on every flight uh, and I'll just look through something and review it. And now I'm to the point, you know, and our, our uh, abnormal procedures checklist is, is, is like a book. And I can do most of the first items by memory now, and uh, just so that I can start that that process without really having to look at the checklist. I can say, okay, now I know what's going on. And it's made me feel a lot more confident because, you know, like you you're experiencing with your thoughts is that, you know, am I really ready for this emergency? Because we don't practice them enough. But if you do it in your mind, I think it helps quite a bit. And uh, and in addition to that, what I do with all my students, no matter who I'm flying with, even if they're not a student, I immediately will say, you know, out of the blue, I'll say, where are we going to land? And I can't tell you how many times someone has said, gosh, uh, uh, and, and I, you know, I drill in that in the head of all my students, you know, we, you have to know every single step of the way where you're going to land. And I, I actually do that at work. I know exactly what airport I'm landing at, Mm -hmm. uh, at every step along the way or, you know, during the whole journey. Right, so I definitely. That, I, I think it's an that, idea. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and I try to do that. But that one I do try to do. You know, where's minimally now? I, can I see the nearest airport? Because often you can up here. They're they're fairly. It's fairly dense, and uh, and or the field below. You know, what what do I see down there that I could use? Um, so I think well, all that's good, and you're right. But it's that it's that other stuff. Now, did you say your bo- the book of uh, procedures that is that for yeah. the, for the for the pro- professionally? Right, uh-huh. right. For the airlines, it's yeah. an abnormal and emergency procedures manual. Right, and uh, it has it's gosh about what a hundred and thirty pages. Yeah, it's a handbook. They it's a it it's a big handbook, and it really it guides you through uh, different procedures. We only have say about seven items that we actually memorize, um, but there's it's good to know where to look because it's such a big book. Uh, you know, when something lights up and it's a red message, and you have a say a bleed leak or an over temp on, on a bleed or, you know, you have a pack valve failure, an over temp, an overheat, you know, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You got to know where to look for that information. Right. You know, when it's, when it's yelling at you saying, Hey, this is, this is uh, happening with the pressurization. And Rick, do you, do you do that? Do you actually review your checklist now or are you going to, as far I, as I'm going to, I, yeah. I mean, in terms of emergency stuff, I would say I got complacent and, and over time have not, mm-hmm. you know, reviewed them constantly. And, you know, I mean, I definitely, 
am aware of the general basic stuff, like you said, about other airports or, or where am I at, situational awareness that way. But in terms of checklist, in terms of the, of the emergency um, and abnormal uh, procedures kind of checklist, no, um, I have not done it enough. And, I, and I'm sort of, I'm aware enough to know that I wasn't doing it. You know, I remember even having this nagging feeling like, haven't been in that plane in two months, gee, uh, you know, and I, I'll flip through it, but, it, you know, like before I go, but it's not the same as knowing it. Right. So. I think that's a big lesson that I got out of, you know, we, I was going to say we all have incidents that happen near us. And I think because I knew this airspace, uh, you know, you, you, and that's what happens. You go, oh, I know pretty much where they were and what they were doing. It becomes a little more personal that way. And so this was a good one for me to pay attention to and kind of go, okay, you know, I don't want to, I want to be able to move. And I also should say there's a couple of resources on um, various places, but AOPA has a couple of different, um, both sort of webinar things and, uh, and some PDFs you can you can download that kind of walk you through why it matters to not lose too much time being distracted, you know, and um, you know to to move right into the decision making because uh, you know it can make all the difference. And and there's a lot of stuff that you can rehearse that way too. So, is that in their Air Safety Foundation? Yeah, uh, and we'll put the link. But let me see if I can click over to it. I had yeah, there's an Air Safety Foundation quiz um, uh -huh. that was great. I I did a hundred on that today, which was fun to. It's not particularly challenging, but it, it, it reminds you of the things that matter. Um, and then there's a thing called Safety Advisor that's um, under their public. Yeah, it's a Safety Foundation publication, SA27. It's a PDF um, called Emergency Procedures. And it's, um, you know, just reading through it, it's like it's all those case study things where you go, oh, yeah, that was probably the wrong move or, or whatever. You know, and the cascading events of, of a toward an accident, all that. So I would look there. And, and, you know, for one thing, that's a great place, a great resource. Um, well, in addition I, I to your just, own POH. Yeah, I just pulled it up, and actually what just smacked me in the face was aging gracefully. And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think, I think I'll be taking that one. Yes, I'm not kidding. It's on there. Well, I will, and, and, you know, I will, you know, I will tell you. Getting older may take adjustment, but yeah. it doesn't mean losing your edge. I no, like that. That looks, uh, that looks like a good course. You know, and this is really completely unrelated to what happened over the weekend, but coincidentally, because you hear CFI and student, both of these gentlemen were, were older. Uh, certain, you know, older than I am. And, um, and that's fine. They, I don't think they were in any way unable to do what they were doing and they were in a tricky situation and who knows, but it is interesting. There's a, there's a range of, so I, that, that's an interesting topic to have that come up, I think. So <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, I don't know if, if you guys have a particular approach to, but is it, I think it's probably just making people aware, training, getting ready for the check ride, memorizing the things. I mean, is that, Probably, yeah, and Car and Carl had I brought have... up a good point about it, knowing to where stuff is in not only a checklist but in a book. Right. How do you get um, to it? Yeah. If you don't exactly, how do you get to it? So part of part of the awareness is just like in our quick reference handbook, which the you know the name is quick reference, but it's a handbook. I mean, it's an inch and a half, two inches thick. You got to flip through it and find where you're going. So one of the things is we we train to sort of know quickly how to get to a section, find what we're looking for so that we can solve a problem. So that's another, not just in memorizing the mm -hmm. actual, the items. I mean, you're not going to memorize everything. Memorize what you're supposed to memorize, but also know just like any other thing, like the far aim, you know, when you go into a check ride, if you don't know it off the top of your head, at least you know where to find it. Be familiar with your documents. Be familiar how to get that right. information uh, quickly. I mean, it occurs to Maybe me too. Make it easier on go yourself. Ahead. Put colored tabs on them. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. Or it occurs Big to me, red one for emergencies. You know? Yeah, I mean, if I, it occurs to me that in, in the planes I fly, at a point where I'm, you know, ready ready to go um, and I'm done with the checklist, open it. Because the, the routine in, you know, the cruise flight checklist or the pre-landing pre checklist, you, you have some time. You know when that's coming so you can get to those. Maybe open it to the emergency area, you know, the, the abnormal procedures pages. Just have that open. Because you can find the other ones over time, but if you suddenly need it, maybe it's smart to have it already already open there. Anyway, yeah. to the start that's, of it, at least. That's not a bad point. I don't know. You know, I'll tell you just to give everyone a little quick tip that helps me with my uh, memory items is making flashcards. Flashcards has just always been a very good study aid for me when I'm trying to memorize things. Um, and we put, you know, I put all my memory items on there and I'll just flip through them and I'll make two piles. If I don't know it or remember it in its entirety, I'll put it to my left. And then when the ones that I know, I put it to my right. And then I just keep going through it until I get everyone correct. And uh, flashcards, to be honest with you, is the only way I've ever memorized our memory items and limitations at work. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's 
with the memory items um, and the checklist memory items and then, you know, procedures and stuff on the airplane, other things like aircraft limitations, which we have to memorize. Carl, I don't know, what is there, like 90 or 100 possibly? Uh, I think it's 78 plus 9, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like 80-something. There's 80-some there's 80 mm, odd things yeah. that we're supposed to know every wow. single day. And so I have flashcards, man. It's the only way that I can remember all this stuff is to just flip through them and refresh my memory. Do, so you, that's tra a little, do you transcribe those yourself? You hand write yeah. them from... So, yeah, just, which adds another copy. level because, you know, I think... When you're doing that, Correct. there's a bit yeah, of memorization that, that happens. That's a good point, too, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll write the procedure name on the front. I'll flip it over. I'll write the items. And then I'll just flip through them, look, you know, look at it. Okay, so um, and engine failure in flight. And then I'll recite in my, or out loud, actually. I always do things out loud because that also helps me remember um, by hearing myself as well and reading it out loud that I've recalled the item. Um, so that's that's just a good study aid, you know. If you guys are looking for something that's going to help you out there, that's what I use. That's helpful. How about you, Carl? What do you? I mean, how do you keep all these things? You fly more airplanes, I think, um, probably than most of us. Going between the jet and the 182 and some other planes you teach, and how do you keep everything straight? Uh, actually, you know what I do is I, I review the checklist before I jump in. I actually go through all the emergency because uh, what's happening is I, I if I'm teaching my students doing the walk around, if I'm by myself. I pull out the emergency checklist and I go through everything and I actually do it uh, in my mind. You know, lately I've been flying the 182 quite a bit, so that doesn't matter. But if I'm going to jump in the Warrior uh, or the Archer, I actually, I'll go through that because there are certain planes I feel comfortable in. But the Archer, boy, I, I really have to look through the systems. Oh, yeah, I have to switch the tanks and have to put the fuel pump on and that type of thing. Which actually, th this brings up a really good point, And this, this is probably the most important point that I could make as far as emergency checklists is that my biggest pet peeve is people don't actually do the checklist. That's it's right. It's going to sound strange, but I have, for instance, in the jet, I get guys that something will break and they'll start doing stuff. They're like the, the Ginsu chef and they're jumping up there switching switches and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had a guy turn off all the pressurization once. I said, hang on a minute. Pull out the checklist, go through it one by one because you're making this thing a lot worse than it is. You know, we just have one pressurization system fail. We don't need both of them failing, and and that's actually happened. For instance, um, I don't mention any uh, names. We had a, uh, I know of an instance where someone there was a a engine failure. Okay, uh, in route not too long ago, a friend of mine, and what they they went and they put the fuel pump on, but they never did the rest of the checklist. That's all they did. And this is in a low-wing aircraft. Well, normally what you do in a low-wing is you switch tanks. And, and the engine quit again. It, the engine came back to life when they put the fuel pump on, but then it quit again. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they started their regular checklist. And ah, they switched the tanks, engine started up again. What happened is they had a leak in one of the fuel tanks. And uh, if they just had done that checklist right away properly, they would have been okay. Now, with that said, you know, I, I, I've, you know, felt myself a little overwhelmed sometimes in, in an emergency and say, okay, wait a minute, take a deep breath. Let's start over again. Let's not be that Ginsu chef where we're pushing buttons, flicking switches and just calm down, do the checklist. Cause if you panic, nothing's really going to be very helpful there. You're going to probably make a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. but that is my, my biggest pet peeve. I, and it doesn't matter what level of pilot they are is they don't run the checklist. And, and you will see, I, you know, uh, I like to call the, the simulator the confessional because, you know, people come walking and, oh, gosh, you know, I haven't done this in so long. You know, I, I really don't think I'm comfortable with this. You know, they become very humble when they get to the simulator. And, and you will see time and again where the instructor will actually, after someone's done with a procedure, pull out the checklist and say, you guys missed this. You could have fixed this problem. And now you just shut off a system that you didn't need to turn off, and now you can't turn it back on, or you can't use it again. So I really, I can't stress that enough. Is actually do the procedure that's there, and it's there for a reason. Think about it while you're doing it, but but actually do that procedure and use a checklist. And it's something that GA pilots we we don't. And, and I understand there's times when we don't have uh, time to pull out the checklist, but but definitely go through that if you can. You know, last my first engine failure I had at a thousand feet, so I really didn't have much time to go through everything, but I did do the the quick, you know, reverse question mark type of thing in a Cessna 172. Um, and then I was I was trying to pull out the checklist, but we were just kind of scrambling to get on the ground, you know, open the doors, that kind of thing. But uh, but yes, checklist, checklist, checklist. Mm -hmm. Did I say that enough times? <laughs> checklist. Yeah. Check. 
And and I mean, can you add to that, Len? I mean, do do you see that also? I mean, people just don't pull them out. They do things just on. on well, I mean, we have a tendency. There's definitely a tendency, and it's not just airline pilots. I think as pilots, people who are we're especially if you're in that airplane a lot. If you fly the same airplane, it's sort of touched on this in the checklist episode. But if you fly in the same airplane, uh, you know, Victoria's boyfriend has over a thousand hours in his glass air now. You just get so familiar and so comfortable, and sometimes you're just like, oh, what the heck? Why do I need that checklist? But, you know, to be plain and simple with you, like we said previously in the other episode, you know, it's just, it's there, it's there for a reason. There's, there's, you know, one day you're going to be tired, you're going to be off your game, you're going to miss something. It might be something small, it might be something critical. There's some statistics out there that actually show that the average flight a pilot misses six items, misses and or messes up six items on an average flight. So, I mean, if you, if that's today's your day, you know, and you didn't use that checklist and you missed something, it's, what can I say? I mean, a checklist is there for a reason. We all know that there's really no, no reason to beat that uh, dead horse anymore. So um, what I do find though, Carl is, uh, you know, it, similarly people who have that time and they're comfortable in an airplane uh, you know, sometimes they just, they're like, well, I've done this a thousand times. And yeah, sure. But let's use the checklist. Um, but anyway, who's, um, excuse me, we were going to ask, I wanted to ask, um, you were going to, you were going to touch on, I think the, the extension of this, which is general training, but I mean, you may not yeah, want general to go to training, like recurrent um, training. Recurrent training. There was a question that was escaping my mind, but we can sort of, t- sort of segue into, uh, to the recurrent training recurrent training aspect of this. And, and what we're getting at here, folks, is, um, you know, as, Car- as uh, excuse me, Rick mentioned at the beginning of the show, and this is not just him. I mean, it's me, it's Carl, it's Victoria, all of us. You don't use emergency, you don't have an emergency every day like you have a before takeoff checklist and you have a cruise checklist and you have a run-up checklist. They're not fresh in your mind. So, so there was a topic, you know, sort of extended from this issue of what should general aviation pilots do for recurrent training? Now, um, in some other episodes, you know, Carl and I have mentioned that as airline pilots, there's varying levels and degrees of recurrent flight training uh, for a captain, person who's the pilot in command of a uh, commercial airliner. Uh, it, they they go through at most companies uh, recurrent training every six months. So that's pretty much twice a year. As a first officer, it's generally every 12 months. Now there's some programs that are changing and it's going to make it a little bit um, a little bit more frequent. There's some programs called the... Um, the airline, was it uh, Carl, AP, AQP, Airline Qualification Program, I think is what it stands for. And I, if I recall correctly, it sort of jumps you up to about the nine-month period. Nine months, right. So you're going to be doing recurrent training every nine months. Well, the airlines do it. People who have type ratings and, and any aircraft that requires a type rating has yearly recurrent training. Why is it that as general aviation pilots, nine out of ten times, the only time we do anything for retraining is when we do a flight review, okay? I, I don't understand that. Maybe that's something that we need to start thinking more of in the industry. And this is sort of where I was going with the, you know, the latter part of this conversation is, um, you know, discussing what can we do as general aviation pilots? Like we already talked about studying those checklists, becoming aware with your aircraft, your systems, being intimate with that to, to stay safe and to stay proficient. Personally, every 24 months to review something, that's nowhere near enough. Okay. It's just simply nowhere near enough. Um, let's talk to uh, Victoria for a bit here. Victoria, what what do you do to stay current um, and comfortable in, because you also, you fly the glass air and the Cessna 172 um, almost primarily as your two aircraft that you use uh, for the majority of the time. But what do you do? How do you keep yourself current and up to speed on those systems? Well, basically, um, it is hard going back and forth between the Cessna and the glass air. So I just kind of review what I'm doing in my head um, before we go out there. And actually, it's once I'm in the sky that I kind of think of more of what can go wrong. When we're prepping, I'm always thinking about this cool cross-country we're going on. So I'm not really thinking about, you know, everything that could go wrong. But once I'm in the air, I always try to, you know, keep an eye out for... um, spots in the sky. And that's when I'm actually reviewing things in my head, which is kind of pessimistic. Like if my engine died right now, where would I land? What do I have to do? And so that's why I always make sure I am on top of my, um, my flow, if you say for the, um, for the checklist. 
so that the second something does happen, it's instantaneous. I'm going to check, you know, if my engine dies, I'm quickly checking at the fuel flow. I'm quickly, you know, grabbing for the mixture or the fuel pump that um, I do all the proper steps in the proper order. So I think I'd review those every once in a while, but I never really think about it truthfully until I'm in the mm-hmm. air. Okay. Where it matters. So you're more so kind of pre-planning, just thinking ahead, you know, just the same as you would when you're on a cross country and you're okay, 50 miles from the airport. Well, uh, in about uh, 30 miles from now, I'm going to get the ATIS, you know, so you're just sort of thinking ahead of the game. Yes. You, you always want to stay ahead of the airplane anyway. That's when problems start is when you're not thinking about, you know, the next step. Sure. You know, it does seem to me too, that, that there, you know, I enjoy on cross countries. I enjoy seeing things. It's fun to look around, but it is a great time to, um, to, to run, maybe run these, you know, checklists. Just why not? You know, every so you know often, tick, tick one off. You know, I do really enjoy doing training with instructors every once in a while, though, because all my train, my flying is cross country. Mm-hmm. We're going somewhere. We mm-hmm. have a purpose. So um, that's why I enjoy doing my commercial, and I look forward to getting my CFI because then again, you're renewing all those skills that you may have lost when you've been just doing cross country so for so long. So I actually look forward to, you know, getting another rating. And one day when I have every single rating imaginable, which is not going to happen, I'm going to look for something else to do. I'll probably just fly with a CFI for the heck of it and, you know, mm-hmm. see what they could trick me with. Right. Make sure I'm on top of my game. Mm-hmm. Now, Rick, you, um, I mean, you You've, you're a newer private pilot, but you also have gone through your first flight review, uh, shoot, I don't know, about four months ago, within the last four or five months or so. Yeah. Previously to that flight review, and we've already talked about at the beginning of the episode, some things that you you know plan on changing coming out of the, this recent accident, but previous to that and not really pertaining to the checklist, mm-hmm. just in general... How often? What, yeah. what did you do personally to say, okay, hey, I mean, and especially at your at your level, you you know, as when we're new pilots, we're always definitely more cautious as well. So what right. what did you do in those those first two years, if you will, to uh, to feel comfortable going up every time? Well, I was trying to I was trying to rotate between um, cross countries, uh, uh, you know, long long distance cross countries, local local hops, and um, pattern work. You know, more stuff sort of in and close to the airport repetition on, on that stuff. Um, so that I was not getting, you know, used to one certain thing and, and, and losing track of the fact that I still wanted to work on takeoffs and landings. Um, I also, uh, just tried to mix up sort of, you know, on cross countries, if I felt like I could focus on something else, maybe to learn a piece of equipment, I would use uh, the autopilot, but then the next time definitely hand fly so that I wouldn't, just start to become somebody who, you know, punched that button and, you know, went off and did something else. You know what I mean? Sort of making sure that the flying skills were still there. But um, what I didn't do enough, I did a little bit of, and I think this is what the realization I'm coming to uh, even in the last few days is that if I don't, you know, if I use the goal, and it's sort of just what Victoria just said, of going for my instrument rating, even if it takes a long time to get there, then I'm, uh, I'm with someone in the plane who's who's very knowledgeable and I can learn you know about that process but also just have someone helping me with the basic skills all the time anyway so you know it's it's like recurrent training but but with a goal or something and then you know and then break that up with some solo flights or flights with family or or whatever that are just you know for fun and not necessarily you know for for training reasons so you know because if I because for some reason I've been hesitant to jump in because I thought, well, I can't complete this too quickly, so I'll wait till I have more time. But maybe the goal should be get to it now in small bits while you're also learning more about flying, which which adds to the safety of, of the equation anyway. So maybe that's, I would say, now where my head's at with 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 essentially recurrent training, mm-hmm. maybe well, using that, you know. It, you and Victoria have sort of hit, hit us, you know, an obvious point as well that just the sheer fact of getting a new rating or certificate inherently makes you a safer pilot because of the the greater level of knowledge, the greater level of skill, uh, you know. And so folks out there that have an opportunity or are even interested in obtaining another f- certificate, that's definitely one means of staying sort of quote unquote 
recurrent. Uh, I mean, it's not going to last your entire lifetime. You're not always going to be pursuing a rating or or a certificate if you, unless that's something that you want to do and you have the means to do it. Um, you know, some folks do enjoy that experience, but those are those. That's definitely a way to do it, uh, Rick. Well, there's another, tr- and there's another way to. I mean, another way to think of it too. Even if you have those ratings and you aren't going to go for any more in particular, maybe the other thing that I've heard people say, which I should do, is okay. The weather today is good, flying weather generally, but it's beyond my tolerances for crosswind, or whatever, or for gusts or something. But you know, bring a CFI. You know, right. train, train, exactly. in, train to push your own envelope further. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I get it. It makes sense because you know that's a way you'll grow. You'll go, oh look, I did that. What you know, mental note. That was a, you know, that was a that was a twenty knot wind. It was you know ten of it was, whatever crosswind. You know, three quarters left. So you can then go, oh, I I can handle that. Okay, now I know roughly what that feels like. And so anyway, another little thing that even if it isn't for a for a rating, it could be helpful. Another reason to go up with someone. Yeah. And I sort of, I think that's kind of coming down to the point of the idea of recurrent training. I mean, you don't have to go up with a CFI every week. You don't have to go up with a CFI every month, but heck, I don't know, at least once every six months, maybe go, just go to your CFI and say, Hey, let's go out and practice stalls and steep turns. I don't use them every day, but you know, Victoria, when's the last time outside of your commercial flight certificate that you just did? Who who out here goes out and does practice stalls and steep turns? I know I don't. Has have anybody else? I do just to show off to friends. Oh like, well, look of what I can do. <laughs> but you know what? What's fun about getting a CFI and going up with one is you can learn different tricks and tips you might have not before, especially if you switch up your CFI every once in a while, and you can get a different aspect of what flying is mm-hmm. like. Um, when I went up for my commercial, we had a day where um, the wind was gusting to forty knots and. Usually I would say, oh, we can't, you know, practice commercial maneuvers. But what we did was we went over to another airport and specifically like on purpose went on the runway that had the direct crosswind, which was gusting to, I I think I said it already, 40 knots. And um, he taught me some tricks, you know, going down that runway to see if it was safe enough to land and what you can handle and what the plane can handle. And by purposely seeking out, you know, situations that you're not comfortable in, but your CFI is, you can learn a lot and grow. Yeah, sort of pushing that envelope, like Rex said a little bit, and taking, getting that, somebody with that experience to to walk you through it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't go out and practice basic maneuvers. Uh, it's just not something that the average general person thinks about doing. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, falls into why, why don't we do a little bit more stuff for, our, and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's the same. Maybe there are some listeners out there that are, that are doing being more proactive about staying current and proficient um, in, in emergency activities and uh, routine training activities like stalls and all that stuff. But it's it doesn't seem to be something that, uh, I mean, there's four of us here and, and we don't do it. So I don't know if that's a good cross-section of, of you know, pilots out there, but it's definitely a point to well, understand. Sometimes, I mean, I wonder, maybe you guys can you know dissuade me of this, that, you know, if I'm going from point A to point B, and I decide I'm going to do some turns about a point around a point and I'm alone. Um, uh, I, you know, and I do a clearing turn and I'm, I make sure I, it seems okay. And I certainly have traffic avoidance, you know, in my, uh, in my uh, plane. So it's not, it doesn't feel really dangerous, but it seems like the, the, um, the surest safest route is on a planned trip to go there and land um, without, with minimal deviation and minimal, mm. you know, fooling around. And I don't mean fooling around in a bad way, but you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm alone in the plane. I got, I don't have another pair of eyes with me. And, and those, though, you know, the, those, well, it's an unfamiliar, like it's an unfamiliar area to you. you know, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going, and, and so not that anything's going to happen, but, but traffic wise and, and keeping mm-hmm. track of what's out there. Um, you know, it just, I just, it somehow, and then I, of course, then I don't you know, and you guys can tell me how to do this. I've not really done much where, you know, flight following, where I then, you know, where I don't go where I'm going. Right. Where I sort of have to say to them, hey, you know what? I'm going to tool around here at a thousand, at 1500 feet for a little while. I'll be back. You mm-hmm. know, I, I just sort of, it feels like there's a purpose unless I do it locally. And I guess I've, I've not done maneuver practicing alone because it always felt like there should be somebody else there. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not true, but it always feels safer to have somebody else. There's sure. nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. yeah. I prefer to do stalls with someone else just in case, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You know, I've, I've maybe just, I can't handle it. Yeah, or just why not? And there's another, yeah, somebody else who maybe can has a little mm-hmm. bit more knowledge. Anyway, sure. whatever. So yeah, I agree. In that sense, I don't practice that stuff enough without somebody there, and that's another reason to go up. You know, mm-hmm. with someone with a CFI, and you right. know, get that training. Mm. You can make it fun too. You can um, do aerobatic training or upset training. Therefore, True. it's fun. You get to experience neat new things like spins, but you also know what to do in case you muck something up. Right, and that's a good example. You know, if you find that's... yourself inverted or in an unusual attitude, it, it can be a fun experience when it's controlled, and right. you learn a lot. Right. So that's another option. Do some aerobatics. That's, that's good. good. Probably good training to have in the first place. I, I think oh, I'm a big yeah. advocate of at, at the very least upset training. You know. Um, Aerobatic training would be useful too, but at the very minimum, upset training is, it's got to be worth its weight in gold. Because again, those are things that, I mean, why is upset training exist? Because it's not something that we generally even do in most ratings or certificates during the flight training process. So, you know, people are now making such training available so that we can experience these things that we're missing elsewhere. There's just a lot of stuff out there that's, that's like that. So that's, that's a great example. Me, I fully don't understand something either until I do it. Right. And I used to be scared. You know, they tell about, you know, stall spin accidents close to the runway. And I was terrified of stalls and the fact that I might spin. But once I did spin, I found out how much I loved it and how easy it was to recognize the situation and get out of it. And I'm much more comfortable doing them now. Right. And you did it in an aircraft that's capable with somebody who knows what they're doing, who can show you. And it takes, and it sounds like it did exactly, it served the purpose of removing the anxiety that you once previously had. Yeah, I did it from, to get, um, the check off of the things I had to do for my CFI, but right. it was something I just, I thought needed to be done for me to be a better pilot. Right. And nonetheless, it did help you with that, you know, that original oh, yeah. anxiety is because once you go through the maneuver, it, it sounds dangerous or scary at first, especially a stall spin, uh, you know, low altitude that they could cause a crash, but you go up, you do the spin, you see how to manage it and how to recover. You've gone through the steps you know, it's part of that process, going through it, um, learning it, performing it. it. It just works. It, you know, it falls in and it helps you out. It's um, a good point. I like that. I wish. I really do wish that there was more upset training. And, and uh, we actually, I did an interview on uh, a different blog that I work on, flyingtraining.net. Uh, we did an interview with a brand new um, student pilot down in Australia. And her, this was exactly something that she said to herself. She She's going to a school and she's not only doing private pilot lessons, she's taking aerobatic lessons because she she's, she jokes, she thinks she's older, but she's only in her, her early 30s, uh, like myself. And so, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm older and I want to make sure I'm safe in the airplane. And point being that she recognized the fact that doing aerobatic training is going to make her a safer pilot, learning to, you know, to maneuver the aircraft in that manner. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's so many things in general aviation. There's so many things in training that we could do to make ourselves better and safer. Um, and, and they're just, I don't want to call them absent across the board, but I don't think we see them as frequently as they could, you know, they could help somebody. Um, can I put one plug in here though? Absolutely. I think there's, there's some people that really uh, are involved in recurrent training and I see them all the time because, you know, I'm a volunteer with a safety program and if the folks that get involved with the wings program, boy, those they go up at least once a year with a CFI so they can obtain their next level of wings. The thing is, though, we usually see the same people over and over and over again. I'd love to see more people get involved into that safety program. It's it's actually set up just like the airlines where you you, know, you get credits for the different courses that you take, and they and they roll off after twelve months. So you have Can't to take they- another class go towards a biannual flight review? Yeah, it is. It, it is your substitution okay. for your flight review. So if you do, to, uh, to maintain your level of wings, you have to have, you know, every 12 months you have to have completed all these, these tasks. You only need a flight review in, in, in the case for like a private pilot or a commercial pilot, say, uh, just every, what, 24. So you're fine there. But like if you're flying for the airlines, it's once a year as a first officer and every six months as, as a captain. But the, uh, the WINGS program, I tell you, is terrific. You know, I, I, don't, I, I actually get out and do a lot of emergency procedures because I'm doing flight reviews with people uh, and friends and their airplanes. So about, you know, I'm doing stalls and emergencies every couple of months. 
But this is terrific because these folks are getting out. They only do them once a year. But heck, that's better than, as you can tell by our conversation, that's better than most of us. Right. And, and I really, really encourage you know folks to get involved with that because it's it's changed quite a bit. And you know, you talked about the Rick about the the safety program there with AOPA. Those actually can count towards your wings if you yeah. take one of those classes. And I think that's terrific. And uh, as a matter of fact, we'll come back to it later. But I had forgotten to make an announcement in the beginning as far as uh, um, I'm I've really become involved with the program in the Tampa area. And have started uh, doing some of the meetings in the St. Pete area. A lot of uh, folks haven't seen it uh, because Jack Tunstall hasn't really been involved with it as much. He used to do the meetings here. And um, I'm doing one on the 7th of February. And that will count towards your wings. And I'm doing that at the National Aviation Academy uh, over at uh, in St. Petersburg. And then I'm doing the one in, in Tampa at Mosey. And uh, the first one in St. Pete is about... Uh, uh, departures and arrivals, IFR departures and arrivals, uh, tips, tricks, and common mistakes. And the next one's about bird strikes, the one in March at Mosey. But those two classes, they automatically are applied uh, to your – once you sign up for this WINGS program. And then you get in with an instructor and, and you go through these maneuvers, maneuvers that you do on the check ride. And hopefully they will do the emergency procedures and stalls and steep turns, et cetera. And it's a great, great review. And the people that get involved with this program, I think, um, and Victoria can can talk to this. They, their insurance actually can be lowered in most with most insurance companies if you're involved in the Wings program. And uh, is that correct, Victoria? That is correct. Um, several companies give discounts for um, completing Wings or actually any training. Um, some it's specific schools, but a lot of them ask, you know, have you done any recurrent training in the past 12 months, yada, yada. And that can get you um, anywhere from like 5 to even 10% off. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. That's, that's great. And there, that alone is motivation that, you know, it pays you back right there if you own an airplane. Exactly. Just in your insurance. And I think that's, that's terrific. Everybody should do that if they do have their own airplane and just in general. So now you don't have to go to your instructor and say, I need a, you know, a, a biennial flight review. I just, uh, you know, I want to do the WINGS program. I want you to sign me off. And uh, I hope everybody here will at least try one course. On, on the safety program and just and see how they like it. And if they ever have problems signing on, just they can just contact me and I'll mm-hmm. I'll help them out. And uh, but it, it's terrific because of what we talked about. I mean, how many times do you really go over your emergency procedures? How many times do you really do stalls? And and it is you know I, I personally think it is a little bit safer with with you know another set of eyes in the airplane. And and if you don't feel comfortable doing them yourself, just grab an instructor. Say hey, let's go do some stalls and uh, and do some spins or or just you know, a lot of if it's a good instructor, they'll let you get yourself into a problem and help you out, like an incipient spin, et cetera. It is very, Besides, very rare that you it's actually more fun spin to fly with someone else anyway. Oh yeah. yes, oh definitely, and, definitely. You have yeah. evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Some evidence needs sure, to be you went erased. Fine, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I go up with instructors all the time. I still do, and especially with the. Uh, in single engines and in small multi-engine aircraft, I I'll go up, and you know I have you know thousands of hours, and I still, uh, if if I don't know the airplane inside and out, I have someone go up with me and say, hey, you know, and I'll say to them, can you help me out here? Uh, I'll seek out, you know, very experienced instructors and say, hey, can you help me in this in this area? And uh, don't be shy. You know, a lot of guys they uh, you see this with a lot of airline pilots. They come out to the airport and they say, oh, I can fly that little airplane. It's like, well, you know, it's a lot different. It's and and you're flying VFR. You know, when was the last time you mm, looked oh at yeah. a VFR chart? You know, do you know what a you know temporary flight restriction that applies to you when you're flying VFR? <laughs> you know, they're not going to keep you out of, out of trouble. You got to keep yourself out of trouble. Those type of things. And uh, do, what do you know what to do in case the engine quits? That type of thing. How to restart? And so I, I think I think that that program plus you know just going going out there say hey do instructor can I go up with you? And they're like yeah I'd love to. Mm-hmm. I'm always doing that. Hey, buy me lunch. I'll go. We'll go do something. You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But FAA safety program, though. I, yeah, the, there's the FAA safety program, the wings program. There's a bunch of stuff on AOPA or AOPA's uh, portion of their website with all kinds of different training modules, webinars. Um, so, you know, I guess the discussion really is just to bring an awareness of of why there's what the benefits of recurrent flight training are. It doesn't even have to be in the airplane. These things we're talking about, a lot of them are even just clinics, 
you know, an evening for two hours discussion. You know, there's uh, there's local events in your area. I get an email about all kinds of stuff going on in New England, different events where they're talking about, um, you know, runway incursions, engine failures, whatever the topic happens to be for that night. There's there's plenty of resources out there. And I guess the idea, the theme of the show is it's just being more proactive and realizing what it is that you may or may not be proficient in and comfortable in and and you and come to an awareness that all that stuff affects your safety. Um, and just going back to the very beginning of the show, we don't necessarily know what happened fully with the details of this accident, whether or not smoke was the, uh, you know, a, a contributing factor in the, uh, the fatalities. But if it's not something you've done recently, uh, it could, it could cause, um, you know, it could cause a mix up or, uh, excuse me, a hang up in, in, in a recovery. I'm David Allen with Other People's Airplanes, and you're listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Anybody have any other resources besides FAA wings and stuff on AOPA I've, I've that they're one. aware of? I've got one, but I'm, I'm going to do a pick of the week, so I'm going to hold mine. Oh, good, good, good. Go ahead, Victoria. Uh, the Stuck Mike Avcast? Yay. Hello. Hello. Oh, <laughs> Listen to things like this. Read articles. You yeah. get airplane magazines. There's always great things to learn. I think right. just staying in the topic of aviation, whether it's a fun article or, you know, an informative article about, you know, an air disaster or something, there's always something to take away from it. Just That's staying active point. and thinking about airplanes. The air disaster one specifically, another flight student of mine, I can't remember the name of the publication. It was I have, it was like a, a white paper, printed paper. It wasn't even a magazine, IFR something or other that um, used to, that he subscribed to that had aircraft accidents in there. And his method of, and he's, he's a gentleman who started flying late in life. He started, I think, when he was roughly 64, 65. And so he's obviously more concerned with his age that maybe he's not as fast or as fresh as somebody, you know, who's 20. And so what in his own mind, his thing was to read about accidents. If I read about this accident and I can, you know, sort of sit there and learn what they did and and what would I do thinking about it, that's an awesome idea, Victoria. Definitely um, check out accidents, read them, read the synopsis, read what happened. That's a really valuable resource. Uh, there's a database on NTSB gov if you go to the aviation section there's a search box there you can just search any i mean you can search for anything you search for your local area specific tail numbers specific accidents aircraft type anything and definitely uh definitely urge you guys to check that out and and read and see um see you know just check them out see what's going there, on there's another good one plane crash info was that one you used in a pick of the week i did at some yeah, point yeah right and it, you can read like famous ones and, you know, um, famous last words and just stuff like that mm -hmm. too. So that's another one. If the NTSB site's not good enough for you, it kind of pulls the same information and right. has pictures and stuff too, which kind of brings it to home mm -hmm. seeing a photo. So. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said about just reviewing. I mean, anything. I think it's planecrash.info. I'll have to double check on that. Double check for us. Yeah. So. And to spread the podcasting love, you know, there's all those other podcasts about aviation too. That's true. There's there lots of is. stuff. Just listen as many as you can. You, know? mm -hmm. you can always learn something. Yeah. That's the biggest takeaway. There's, you know, it never stops. I mean, I've been flying for 15 years. And like I said, you make an average of six mistakes on a flight. I mean, I know all of us here, every time we go fly, we learn something. Whether it's a reminder of something that we forgot, whether it's something new that we never uh, had knowledge of or the guy next to you, guy or gal next to you knows a tip or a trick or a shortcut or anything. There's not a flight that goes by where I don't learn something new. Uh, so anyway, anybody have uh, any sort of last comments to add, um, comments or resources to add on this discussion of uh, recurrent training and staying proficient and safe as a pilot? I think that's it. That's I heard I, crickets, uh, so I guess everybody's... Crickets, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> chirp, chirp. <laughs> That's good. Anyway, our picks of the week. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it on up and move into the latter part of the show, our picks of the week, where we share different aviation products and services 
that uh, we've found useful or informational or helpful that we like to share with the listeners out there. And today, um, since Rick's is pertaining to recurrent training, Rick, tell us about your pick of the week. Yeah, I um, I think through the FAST program, the, you know, the, the FAA's um, program, I um, took a couple of seminars from, I don't know if you guys have done any of these, uh, from Gene Benson. Does that name ring a bell? He um, has... He does sort of, I think, his own his own stuff that he that he attaches to the, that they use essentially, and he has a website um, that's just genebenson.com. We'll put a link. It's g e n e b e n s o n dot com. And I thought, you know, it was I thought when I took the ones I did, it was great basic stuff, very clean, very easy to follow, and all of the stuff's still there. And you can go back, and there's just free ones you can page through, um, and. Uh, you know, so I'm looking at uh, court. There are short courses that are not FAA wings credit, but there are courses that are. Um, looking at the list here, for example, avoiding controlled flight into terrain, avoiding controlled flight. Um, of there's two parts to that: um, psychology of approach and landing. There's just a bunch of good uh, stuff there that um, I thought was great, and I and I went to it today in in sort of researching for the for the show, and I thought, oh yeah, he, this is something people should know about. I'd never heard of him until I got the link online through channels and did one of the courses. And, um, you know, he's got one coming up. One of the things he's suggesting on his website is a thing called the checklist project, which I don't know the full details on, but the point of it is sort of in one of the articles here that if you don't have enough of them, people should create their own, not emergency, but abnormal procedures checklist. And his point in a couple of places here is know the difference between an emergency and something that's just abnormal because, um, and I think Carl touched on this earlier. You can create a bigger emergency um, if you don't work checklists, even in an abnormal situation, and realize you aren't in as dire a situation as you think. And he's got several examples of of things that ended up at, uh, up as uh, as bad situations because people over over worried about a thing that clearly they were fine, and they and they rushed something, and it created a bigger problem. So there's a lot of good stuff there. GeneBenson.com. So that's my pick of the week. Cool. How about Victoria? Cool. Tell us about your pick of the week. Um, as you always know, I always like to pick something that involves shopping. Um, so I chose uh, <laughs> uswings.com today. Um, you know those trapper hats? They're becoming quite popular again, like, you know, the big pelt, warm animal fur on your head. Um, I found a few of those that were really cute on this website. Um, they have awesome, like, old um, vintage looking, but they're new aviator hats, you know, kind of like the ones that Snoopy wore with the goggles. Um, and then they have the trapper hats with the fur and the leather. And, um, I got looking into the site more and they had great bomber jackets for all ages, um, male and female too. So there was some very, um, you know, form fitting, nice leather, um, bomber jackets for women and, uh, quite a bit need of stuff here. Um, that's uswings.com. And I look forward to checking more of it out and maybe getting myself a jacket or a hat. Sweet. And I'm sure you're going to query uh, our listeners and invite them to buy you stuff as always. Oh, feel free to buy me there anything. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a message. I'll give you my address. There it is. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I, I would like to talk about my pick of the week real quick. It's um, it's actually a product that I mentioned in a previous episode, but this is a new iteration of it. And sometimes on the show, you know, when there's an update or a new version or a new generation of a product or service, we sometimes talk about that. Mine today is uh, the GoPro Hero 2. Um, it's it's just a, the same as the, uh, the previous discussion I shared about the GoPro Hero first generation. Some of the big differences are that it's a higher megapixel camera. The original was five and this one is now 11. Um, it create you know, the, the video that it takes is crisper, clearer. It does work in a little bit of better low light situations. Um, it's the same price range as original. And for the pilots out there, if you're interested in something that, you know, you can use aviation related, if you look at their motorsports edition, it comes with, it comes prepackaged with a suction cup mount, which I've used in a couple of different airplanes now that works pretty darn well. And, um, and you can find some different places. There's other methods that uh, comes with some adhesive, sti- uh, some adhesive mounts. You can also buy a roll bar mount. There's just all kinds of options for using it in the airplane. Um, for more information, if you want to visit, um, 
you know, to get more information about the GoPro Hero 2, you can visit my affiliate link, which is thepilotreport.com forward slash GoPro, and you can see some of the new videos and features. Um, also, a couple of the videos that I've done with it now are the Glass Air demo flight on thepilotreport.com and the Women Fly It Forward promo video seen at womenflyitforward.com. So there's a lot of versatility to it. And pilots, if you're out there and you're using GoPro and you're finding some limitations with the camera as far as its capabilities, have no fear. I'm working on a super secret top, uh, top secret project to fix some of those problems that you've been experiencing. So I'll keep you guys posted in the near future as developments come along there. So thepilotreport.com forward slash GoPro for more information on this new generation camera. Um, I love it so far. Carl, tell us about your pick of the week. Well, my pick of the week is just uh, something fun. It's uh, it's a restaurant, an airport restaurant, and uh, it's kind of dear to my heart because I used to take all my students here to Ocala, Florida, and it's called the Tailwind Cafe, and it's been around for quite some time. And uh, I'm actually gonna uh, we're gonna put links to their Facebook page because they're they really don't have much of a web presence, but they do have a good uh, Facebook page out there and some. Uh, where they'll update you on the the food, and one thing that I, I love about this place is that it's not going anywhere, and it's because that locals will come to this restaurant and eat, and that's that's something that that I've always been a big fan of is to see not just people are into aviation, but everybody coming out to the airport to enjoy the view, and it also kind of reminds me of home. I grew up in New Jersey near horse country, and and Ocala, Florida is actually uh, really prominent in the horse trade now. Ever since I guess the fifties or so. And so when you, if you fly in, one of the really unique things about this restaurant is that they have little jockey figurines as you're walking up towards the FBO. And I actually just did a video about flying to Ocala and uh, IFR, and I have some video on there and some pictures of the actual uh, the little jockey figurines there. So if you're into horses, it's kind of a neat place to go. And, and they just opened a new uh, control tower there, so make sure you, you use the frequency there. But they have uh, the world-famous Bomber Burger is is what they promote. It's it's a really good hamburger, and uh, they have great breakfast too. I tell you, their, their pancakes are terrific. And one of the things I think is really cool is seeing that all these people with their have come in all the pilots for different companies for the uh, aviation departments and the police departments, and also military pilots have taken their wings. And they've actually stuck them up on this cork board. And you'll see all these wings up there and, and lots of different. That's cool. Uh, old, old stuff that's been on there for years and years and years. And then, uh, and the other cool thing to see that you don't get to see too many places, except in, in Kentucky, is the, uh, the horse transportation airplanes. So you can sit there and watch them yes. bring these things in. It's really cool to watch them bring in this big 727 and have the horses come Court, on. Yeah, I've seen that one in Kentucky, <laughs> in Lexington. So Tailwind Cafe in Ocala. Yeah, in Lexington. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, those are they're and, cool looking. Important question. Was this mm. breakfast all day? Uh, that determines it, a good $100 hamburger it, for me yes, because I'm really into $100 pancakes. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't yes, get out of bed early on the weekend. No, I try not to. <laughs> it, yeah, they uh, they have it actually till three o'clock, and and they make really really good food. I, I, uh, it's acceptable. I, yeah, I I just there's there's so many places out there that just kind of come and go, but these guys will be around for a long long time, I think. And uh, and you never know who you'll meet there. You know, every so often you see some some famous people, like mm-hmm. uh, I saw Princess Anne there, and uh, you know because she was in this long time ago. She's in the horses and all, and uh, and of course there's some other. Mm-hmm. Famous ball players that stay there and hang out, so you might see them there. And just to clarify, cool. though, this is not the old Cala, Florida airport where John Travolta lived right. or has previously lived. I don't even know if he's there anymore. Not not far from there, mm-hmm. but no, this is this is the actual Ocala uh, Airport OCF um, Ocala Municipal Airport, and it's neat. It's it's just it's something that you don't see that often. I mean, how many times do you walk up to? Uh, the uh, in a building an FBO and you see these little jockeys standing there, you know that's definitely different. You know, and people usually laugh when they see that. It's like, what's that about? <laughs> and just beautiful rolling hills up there mm-hmm. and uh, low hills. You know, it's Florida, of course. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll put make sure to put a um, a link in the show notes to the video that you just did because uh, you said that that video 
It was a flying video, but you had a section of the video that was pertaining to the restaurant, if I recall. Right, right, right in the middle there. I, you right. know, I had the flight up and talked about the cafe and then the flight back. Um, but and they also, if you're there overnight or whatever, they also uh, it's a it's a restaurant and a bar, so they a lot of people throw parties there and stuff like that. So it's it's a cool little spot. Awesome. Yeah. Ocala, Florida. It's another reason to go head south and check out some new sites. Oh yeah, yeah. Fun, very fun. The after landing checklist. I'd like to thank everybody, as usual, for coming on to, uh, to the show tonight. And before we do go, let's uh, share our contact information for the listeners out there. Rick, how can folks get in touch with you? They can go to rotationspeed.com, Rick R. Felty on Twitter, and R. D. Felty on YouTube. Wonderful. Victoria? Uh, Toriaflies.blogspot.com has all my contact info. Wonderful. You can reach me at thepilotreport.com. It's the same on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, how about you, Carl? And it's uh, expertaviator.com, same on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube, great. And for the podcast, if you'd like to reach us uh, collectively, questions, comments, anything uh, you know pertaining to the show, you can reach us. StuckMikeAvCast.com is the website, also available on Facebook and Twitter, or you can email us at StuckMikeAvCast at gmail.com. From myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, Victoria Newville, thank you once again for tuning in to episode 18 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We wish you guys all clear skies and calm winds, and we'll talk to you all again next time. Take care, everybody. This is Jill Tallman from AOPA's Flight Training Magazine, and you've been listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa Production.